Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Cast Ice, the podcast that explores the great big wild world of tabletop gaming that exists today. It's been said once or twice, mainly on this podcast, that we are in the middle of a gaming renaissance. There are just too many good games that we can spend our hobby time and our hobby dollars on, and it can lead to a serious case of not knowing what to play next. And I guess that's the purpose of this podcast. It's to dig into the games that my guests and I enjoy playing, to talk about big industry events, and to talk to the people who create these games. Now, uh, we have been speaking to some game makers and manufacturers in recent episodes. However, I thought we would shift gears this week and talk to someone who creates the miniatures that we play these games with. Now, I have been a massive fan of Victoria Miniatures, uh, just wide selection of cool alternative third-party science fiction soldiers in space. You know, all the guys in t-shirts with flashlights with, uh, you know, all of the cool accoutrement. We have the desert ones. We have the, the ones that uh, are with camo cloaks who are sneaking around the joint. We have ones that look like uh, the soldiers from Zulu. I mean, there, and that's just scratching the surface. There's still all sorts of winter ones, uh, penal troops. I mean, you name it. Victoria Miniature makes the science fiction soldier for you. And when I saw that Victoria is putting out a Kickstarter for cavalry models to go with these various ranges that she made, I had to have her on. Now, the Kickstarter is live. It just went live a couple of days ago, and it is already, what, 10 times past. It's maybe even more than that at this point, uh, its goal, and it is firing on all cylinders, which makes perfect sense given the quality of these amazing models. Now, I saw Victoria at Arcanacon this last year. I didn't say hi, but I should have because she is rad as hell, and she is here to chat with us today. Victoria Lamb, welcome to Cast Ice. Hey, thank you for having me on. It is awesome to have you after having a bunch of your models for years and years and having been spying the expanding range for the last 12 years. Now, I haven't played uh, a science fiction game that would use these in a long, long time, but God, the models are gorgeous. Uh, oh, I have so you. many questions about where you got started. So uh, why don't we start at the beginning? By the way, folks, while we are talking today, if you have not been to Victoria Miniatures, type it into Google, check it out now, because God damn, there are some good looking models. Victoria, how did you get started in this? Ah, uh, well, we're going back a long time. <laughs> um, I was always into, I always, you know, as a kid, as a teenager, I loved making stuff, drawing, you know, everything. Uh, I'd buy, you know, like um, 1 to 35, uh, like World War II soldiers and paint them. You know, mm -hmm. all of this was just things that I loved to do. I, at this point, I mean, I, I grew up in Adelaide, uh, South Australia, mm -hmm. um, which is a, a great place to live, but there was not a big gaming kind of scene at all. I'd never even heard of Dungeons and Dragons while, you know, by the time I was in my mid-teens. So I went into a hobby shop one day and under the counter was a secondhand box of these little guys, little blue guys mm -hmm. uh, with red fists. Mm -hmm. And 
little plastic dudes. I actually didn't even know they were dudes. I thought they were maybe robots. You know, yeah. I couldn't see their faces. <laughs> so, uh, I don't know. I thought they were very cool. So I, I grabbed this box and that was kind of uh, where it started and it still is going. Um, so, yes, I got this box. I worked out what they were. Uh, I kind of discovered GW. I mean, you couldn't buy too much GW off the shelf. It was very limited what you could get. You know, back in those days, I was mail ordering stuff in the UK mostly. Yeah. But this same hobby shop, um, they were stocking White Dwarf magazine. So mm. uh, my first White Dwarf was number 113. I still oh, have wow. it. Oh. Yeah. And uh, that, was, that, was, that was it. There was no turning back. It was just before the release of the original Space Hulk game, the first one. Mm -hmm. And that ended up being the first game I ever bought. Uh, so, yeah, it's just gone on from that. Amazing. Amazing. Now, at some point, though, you went from, you know, building and probably, I'm guessing, converting models of, of your own to making models that you could then share with others. Yes. Uh, this kind of came out because I was, yeah, I, look, I was entering the Golden Demon. Like, well, as soon as the Golden Demon came to Australia, mm -hmm. I was in. I was like, oh, my God. You know, went over to Sydney, entered the Golden Demons uh, while they were going on there. Uh, did quite well with that. But I would often get people, and I, I just love converting models. I just, yeah. and one thing I really loved about the, the lore and the history and especially with the humble guard is that mm -hmm. there's just, it's just the sky's the limit. I mean, you can come, you could come up with any troops you wanted and, you know, basically stick a flashlight in the hand, put them on the table and off you go. And, but there weren't that many models available. I mean, there was very limited selection. I mean, even back then, I mean, they used to make metal versions of different regiments, which was mm -hmm. great, but still it didn't cover. I mean, you would never be able to cover the huge sort of spectrum of, uh, of uh, regiments that were possible. So That's I right. just loved to convert stuff. I, you know, I was, this was all, I mean, I, before even green stuff, I'd use Milliput uh, to try to sculpt extra bits. And I just did this for fun. I just loved it. And eventually, uh, you know, some people were seeing, you know, it's getting published in some White Dwarf magazines. People were seeing the stuff. And I'd done um, a little a little squad of uh, Highland troops mm -hmm. um, in the Golden Demon. I think they got a silver. And I had a lot of people going, oh, we want to buy those legs with the kilts. And mm -hmm. I was like, well, that would be cool. I have no idea how I can manufacture stuff. Um, and there was a, uh, there's a, uh, the only miniature, I think the only mini miniature manufacturer in Australia at the time was Eureka in Melbourne. That's right. Who do, they still do metal. They did metal then. Uh, so I got them to cast up some stuff for me. And at that point it wasn't even really to sell. It was just to give people, you know, cause they're like, oh, they're, they're cool. We want some. Oh, here you go. Mm -hmm. Uh, so that was really the first, um, yeah, like it was about converting figures and being able to customize stuff. That was, that really inspired me. It really excited me was just like, oh, you, you know, if you can come up with this idea, here's some stuff that you can use to make it. 
that that was really what I wanted to give to people. Exactly. And that's how I became aware of your stuff because I bought a, a series of arms for converting uh, some of my existing soldiers just so I didn't have the same poses over and over and over again. Um, <laughs> yeah. Right? And yeah. Uh, yeah, over the years, um, as you expanded out, all of a sudden, you know, the sky's the limit with conversion ideas. And um, a million years ago, and I mean, God, we're talking 20 plus years ago. Um, there was a hunt for the fallen table. Uh, that was one of the big traveling games that went around the U S um, this is called a battle tour and it would be followed by the bits uh, van and it would travel to independent real retailers and all the GW shops and people could go and play. And there was this big white dwarf campaign behind it. Um, well, I painted the trader guardsman for that tour. Um, cool. I had all of these Mordians that I'd cut into different pieces and rebuilt to make sort of cult models. Um, but over the years, um, I sold that army on, but I still had all the rejects. And I was thinking for a long time, God, if only someone made arms that would fit <laughs> or heads that fit these models. Uh, and and lo, mm -hmm. Victoria's pictures appeared. And um, my Mordians were whole uh, yet again. And of course, <laughs> you have your own, you know, IP, you have your own style, but it's the mm. same size. And so I was able to then rebuild and convert my Mordians back to life, which was wonderful. Oh, cool. That's really great to hear. But yeah, that's exactly what, you know, that, that's the goal is, you know, people, they've got a project, they've got a vision. You know, I just want to give people the tools to make it. That's that's the that's the idea exactly now you started in metal but you are not in metal now no um metal it was the only choice at the time um and then i eventually got branched into resin i had a, a resin manufacturer in the states do some resin i could i've tried for more than well probably a couple of decades now to to get a resin manufacturer in australia and there is not one right so yes i went to the states i got a resin manufacturer um metal just basically became too expensive the prices mm -hmm. of of the tin salt you know the alloy that was used just went up and up and up very quickly mm -hmm. and it just became completely unviable to to use anymore so or not to mention you know i was posting stuff you know around the world and you know tin soldiers are heavy <laughs> so, oh yeah <laughs> so, um, yes they are and look yeah and and look i've always got a soft spot for for metal models but they're really not that practical anymore and especially with the way the technology is going with the 3d printing and stuff i mean it's a whole nother world yeah, and exactly. you know you, you kind of have to roll with the times now it's interesting that you mentioned that because not only are you evolving in the materials that you are making your models out of but now you are starting to sell STLs. Now that's interesting from someone who originally sculpted everything by hand. Has there been a shift for you to, to, man, to, to doing your designs digitally so you can sell STLs? Because it strikes me that those are very different skill sets. Yes, <laughs> it certainly is. 
Um, I love the digital tools we have now. Um, and um, I don't even know if I would still be in business without them because, you know, frankly, the eyesight's not getting any better and mm -hmm. the arthritis in the hands is not getting any better. So physically sculpt, you know, physically crouching over a green for a week, sculpting something actual size is, it, it is physically challenging. And uh, the, the, the digital stuff just changes everything. But it has been a huge learning curve, a very difficult learning curve. For me, I, I had no prior experience with CAD or any kind of 3D software. And jumping in trying to learn ZBrush from scratch. Mm -hmm. And also, I'm, I'm kind of isolated. I don't know anyone in Adelaide that's using ZBrush. You know, it's, it's, I'm kind of very isolated here. You know, I was able, on, on a few visits to the States, I was really grateful to be able to sit down with some sculptors using it who were generous enough to spend some time with me and and help me out but it's it's still i'm still learning it's an ongoing process it's, you know i i can kind of knock out something but there's all there's a lot of room for improvement there and and i'm slow <laughs> mm -hmm. i'm slow at this compared to a lot of the digital sculptors out there but on the whole i love it and the fact that i can do you know print proofs as i go you know I, I print all the time while i'm sculpting and i just keep referring to the actual model rather than just relying on what's on the screen yeah. and the fact that i can then just email a file to the manufacturer and say here you go um, is an absolute great game changer because i mean it was very very scary taking your one and only original green mm -hmm. that you spent a week making putting it in a box and putting it in the post. <laughs> that was scary stuff. Yeah. So, I've uh, lost a few things from yeah. Yeah. International shipping. And yeah, I, I, I wince listening to you say that. What, oh, yeah. did you ever have anything disappear that you wish didn't? I'm sure I did. I can't, I can't remember offhand what, but it was very, yeah, it was nerve wracking. I was always so relieved when that green got there. Yeah, exactly. Well, nothing too traumatic, it seems, that uh, you are uh, totally, you know, worried about yeah. that. Now, I also know that having looked at your previous work and now your more, di your more recent digital work, mm. you have a very distinct style, um, which, again, I really like. Uh, it definitely feels like you're sculpting actual human beings to fit into, you know, a, a sometimes science or science, science fiction, um, you know, unrealistic future, um, mm. depending on how people are using your miniatures. But how hard was it for you when you jumped from physical miniatures to STL to retain that style? Because you are known for it. I mean, going back to the old Golden Demon entries that would appear in White Dwarf that we would see. Because um, yeah. I remember when you started selling, because I had seen your you know, I'd seen the the commissar being held in the arms of the, <laughs> you know, way yeah. back when. Um, yeah. You've always had a very distinct style. How has that been for you moving forward? Uh, I think it's it's always there. Um, <clears throat> it's I think it's quite different to go from being a physical sculptor to digital than if you've never sculpted before and you just jump in on a digital platform. Mm. Because I still sculpt 
really the same as I sculpt in real life. It's just on a screen now and I can see it better. Um, so, it, yeah, that style, I, I try to capture it because, you know, digital sculpts can be a little soulless mm-hmm. um, and a little cold. Um, and, you know, whatever people like in their style, I mean, there's a lot of styles out there, a lot of different scale interpretations out there. Mm-hmm. But for me, um, you know, personally, the, you know, character is everything. I just, I want to see the faces. I want to, you know, have the figure to have some expression, some, um, you know, have a bit of a soul, really. And, and I try to keep that in the digital versions, just like I would have had it in the, uh, the the physical versions and sometimes you have to work a little at that and you know my my digital sculpts are not hyper hyper detailed they're not hyper clean but then neither are my physical ones yeah so it's trying to sort of keep that same uh, aesthetic you know you want it to feel like someone sculpted this with their hands exactly but it yeah. also i mean as you say when it's too clean though Sometimes it does feel a little soulless. Um, I I yeah. really like models that have character. I like models that, you know, really do, you know, that have facial expressions, that have, mm. you know, there's folds in the clothing. But I also like it when there aren't 10,000 pouches on necessarily everything <laughs> and there isn't detail into every single little crevice because it allows me as a painter to fill in the blanks a little bit, so to speak. And it also <clears throat> saves me some time. Uh, so I always felt like your models have, have always been that nice down the line of having some great detail, but not having too much detail, uh, which just makes them a joy to paint. Yeah, that's, that's nice to hear. Um, I, uh, I mean, cause with it, when you did sculpting on a digital platform, I mean, you can, the, the level of detail you can add is infinite, but right. you're not always going to even see it when you print it out. Uh, let True. alone be able to paint it. Uh, and I don't want to make a model that I can't paint. You know, I, like, I, I'm, a, I'm an impatient painter. You know, <laughs> I, just, I really want to, you know, throw paint on it and it look like something. I don't want to be there, you know, sort of doing the fingernails on every model and so on. I, I just, yeah, I like to sort of keep this, the visual statement of the figure very simple. Um. And and this is a little. I mean, it it's a tricky thing because you, when you're selling a, a model, a digital model, what people see is a is a two dimensional picture on a screen. Right now, people can make those two dimensional pictures insanely detailed. I mean, there's some beautiful, incredible, intricate digital sculpts out there, but you've got to always remember that this thing is, is going to be an inch high at the end yeah. of the day. Yeah. <laughs> so. How much of that is going to translate into that scale? That's that's um, yeah. That that that's really the tr- what I strive to do is to keep keep that in mind. You know, you just can't keep going more and more detailed as you're sculpting because you you're just not going to see it. No, hundred percent, right? Mm. Yeah, and not to mention a lot of printers. I mean, there are absolutely amazing three D resin printers these days that can get unbelievable amounts of detail Mm. but you have to have it calibrated perfectly for that and (laughs) there are different levels of quality in 3d printers so 
you as a designer have to be able to create something that looks good on most of those, um, not just the best of the best of the best, sir, um, quality of them, so to speak. Yeah. Um, I mean, that's look, the 3D printer field is, is one that's moving so quickly that, you know, they're getting better and cheaper all the time. And when I sell a file, you know, I sort of go, here's your file, go for it. I can't, you know, I, I have to sort of let it go. Just go, okay, you know, you might have a bad printer. You might know how to use your printer. Good luck. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. That's the expression, go forth in the name of whatever. And yeah, yes. good luck out there, buddy. Um, yeah. yeah. Well, well, speaking of models that can be tricky to sculpt, um, I mean, Project Warhorse, literally the Kickstarter that we're here talking about today. Uh, sure. The cavalry version of the fantastic infantry models. And there are lots of different varieties that are offered in this Kickstarter. And again, mm -hmm. they're for STLs and physical prints. And we'll talk about, or physical models. And we'll talk about those in a minute. But horses. Yeah. Horses are notoriously painful for so many people to sculpt. How did you find that being an experienced miniature sculptor, but then shifting into the whole wild world of equestrian sculpting? Yeah, good question. Um, look, I, I've wanted to do Rough Riders for, you know, a, ever since I really started and saw them for the first time. Mm -hmm. And I think a lot of that comes from um, being Australian and, very aware of the Australian light horse mm -hmm. um, being a, you know, sort of our iconic hero regiment in our history. Uh, you know, there's a statue of one in our city centre in, in Adelaide. And oh, wow. I even did, I had a Golden Demon entry back in the day that was pretty much based on that statue. But sculpting horses, I, I think this is really where the digital has come in because they are very, very difficult. Mm -hmm. So uh, the way we did this is I basically, you know, over quite a long period of time sculpted a basic, in fact, this, this, there's pictures of this um, original concept figure out there on, on the socials. Um, I just sculpted an unposed horse standing, got it, you know, printed it, sculpted, printed, sculpted, printed, sculpted until I got it looking like I wanted it to look. And then I um, actually contacted a, a friend of mine, um, Jason Wiebe. He's um, a wonderful sculptor, does a lot of work for Reaper Miniatures. And he is sort of the go-to critter guy. He is really, really good at beasts. So uh, I sent over this, and, and again, the beauty of digital sculpts, I sent him the file. I said, could you pose up this horse for me, you know, five times? Um, which he did beautifully, sent it back. You know, I did a little tweaking of my own, put the equipment on them and that. So there was really a collaboration there. And just having another sculptor who knows a lot more about beasts than I do, uh, you know, put cast his eye over it and just helped to bring them to life was was brilliant. That, that really helped. And I think we've got some really nice horses uh, made for this. And there's five different poses of those horses, if I'm understanding right? Yes. Um, so the the Kickstarter, 
uh, I mean, you can go in for as many as you like, but the base level is one squad of five riders from a regiment mm -hmm. of your choice. So, yeah, there are five different poses on the horses. And, of course, if you go into the digital level and you want to get really tricky, you could always flip them over and have mirror images of them. <laughs> so you could stretch it I was out. Actually, I was actually about to say that because I actually yeah. recently did that with um, some Marvel Crisis Protocol Sentinels because mm. uh, I wanted an old version of which someone made one. So I had I had it printed backward by someone else. So yeah. then it was I had mirror image, which, you know, yeah, it's, yeah I, I wish I'm so glad the guy who 3D printed them for me suggested that because I didn't even know that was a thing. But now every mm. time I look at a print, I go, can I get the mirror image flip of that? <laughs> uh, yeah. yeah, yeah, it's totally possible. And um, hey, you know, left handed lancers riding horses why not <laughs> mm -hmm. exactly right <clears throat> yeah well you have uh you have quite the variety of actual rough rider quote-unquote regiments to choose from um at you, you have desert riders you have um ones that look like they'd be straight out of zulu as we said before you've got mm. the australian themed riders you've got um the 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 classic wing hussar um, uh -huh. style and then of course you have the ones with the camo cloaks and the berets um such a nice variety to choose from here but that's that's not even half of the ones you normally have in your or in your regular infantry range how did you narrow that down to those five yeah that's a good question um originally it was four and then the winged hussar idea was suggested to me by um, Adam Abravovitz from the Army Painter Company. Mm. Uh, he wanted to make an army of them. And I was like, ah, oh, that's, yeah, we could maybe fit that in. So we added the winged hussar later on. Um, part of it is practical. Like, these are very popular regiments, but also one thing that they have in common is they're not wearing greatcoats. Ah, because the yes the one thing about making these horses is aside from being difficult to sculpt they're also very difficult to manufacture a four-legged animal is not easy to cast um it's very very tricky so yeah part of it so and and what we've done is you know we're, we're casting the horses in co cast which is a, a thermal injection molded plastic mm -hmm. but you know these these molds for this are, are not cheap to make. So I've only, you know, we've got five molds, five horses. Um, but the legs of the riders are molded onto the horse. So they right. all have the same legs. Mm -hmm. So um, I needed to choose regiments that could have the same legs. So that was partly why you have what you have in the Kickstarter. Yeah. But they, it is, they're also regiments that if you sort of think thematically, I mean, the desert riders, of course, kind of line up with that Lawrence of Arabia um, mm. mystique. Um, you can imagine dudes with pith helmets having, you know, dudes on horses. Um, the Australian light horse, I mean, you were talking about it literally a second ago. It's in the name, the light horse. Uh, so yeah. they, they it, it lines up 
with what you'd expect as well from some of those regiments. So yeah, awesome stuff. Besides, if you really wanted to have uh, the guys in the dress uniforms, uh, you could just take the existing pith helmet guys and put the other helmet, put the, the, the heads from a different regiment on that and, you know. oh, absolutely. Um, yeah. With the exception of the desert guys, the heads are all separate. They're completely interchangeable. They're also interchangeable with your new plastic future soldiers that have recently come oh. out. So uh, just put that out there. <laughs> I did not know that. That yes. is cool. Uh, yeah, because so there's can, all uh, sorts of oh, conversion ideas. Oh, you're giving me bad ideas, Victoria. Yeah. This is not good. <laughs> so you should be able to swap... Um, the arms and the heads quite freely with your um, plastic uh, miniatures. So, um, yeah, there's a lot of possibilities there. As I said, I always like to just give people the tools and see what they can do with them. Yeah, that's awesome. Um, and as the, as the Kickstarter goes on, um, undecided at this point, but I, I wouldn't completely rule out there maybe being another regiment added. Ah, I was yeah. going to say one of the things that I've seen from some Kickstarters, of course, are tons of stretch goals. Now you have smashed mm. your uh, initial target by literally 10 times at this point. Um, yeah. I was going to ask, is there the possibility of uh, a stretch down the track? There, there may be a few extra things thrown in there. I'm not sure if they'll be presented as stretch goals as such, but there may be a few extra bits and pieces uh, one thing, uh, there's been a huge amount of planning go into this. Um, the same as the Halfling Sniper Kickstarter we did back in September last year. The mm -hmm. goal, the, the model I was trying to, to um, realize was we keep it simple and we fulfill it quickly. Yeah. So we've got fulfillment for November on this one and we are already manufacturing these miniatures. So... Hopefully, we'll actually be shipping stuff out before November. It's get it done, get it quick. So as much as it's, you know, you sort of go, oh, I'll, I'll throw in this and that and the kitchen sink. Mm -hmm. I have to be reasonably disciplined about that just um, in order to get this fulfilled quickly and fulfilled well. Like we want good quality stuff that goes out in good time. That's, exactly. That's the goal. So, yeah, we might, we we. I think there will be a few extra things go in there, but I still, you know, I have to keep a lid on it to a certain extent. You know, I, I we're no. not throwing this out to like, oh, we'll fulfill it in 2025. No. No. <laughs> it's, oh, it's going to be done in a couple of months. This is how we're doing it. Exactly. That's right. Yes, it's going to be done in a couple of months. And, you know, one thing I really love about running something like this is just the ideas and the feedback that come from the backers and that's that guides it that really does guide it you know it's, it's, if people are all asking for a particular thing well that particular thing's going to go to the top of the list um is there so, is there an example of that of something that you knew people wanted i mean obviously the wing tassar um but were there bits mm. and pieces that you added or are thinking maybe maybe I'm asking a question you can't answer at the moment if you haven't <laughs> announced it. But uh, was there no. something that you have? Um, yep. There's certainly some ideas. There's some great ideas there. Um, I mean, one thing which I did preempt was that people. Well, we talked about the um, interchangeability of the heads. Mm -hmm. You know, people are already asking for. Can we get extra heads? So that's oh, okay. that 
will happen at some point in the campaign. We'll we'll put up all the heads as add-ons, and again that that helps out if you um if you want to put the same heads on your infantry dudes exactly to match in with your riders so that's you know that's just one thing and and again that comes back to what people are asking for so that that's really fun and uh you know there will be another campaign after this there will be more new products after this and there may well be some of these ideas end up as a whole new project you know there could be a warhorse too Ooh, I like mm-hmm. that. There's a scoop for you. Yes, there you will go. Be War Horse 2. Now, <laughs> now, for those who are looking for this, if you have not already found it, it is on Kickstarter right now at time of recording. We have another, God, 23 days-ish left in this. Um, and it is Project War Horse Rough Rider Miniatures by Victoria Miniatures. Uh, and you can find it on Kickstarter. Now, folks, um, I, you know, a lot of people say, oh, is it, uh, you know, is it going to fund? Well, obviously, we're already 10 times past the initial goal. So, yes, even if people pull out, it's still going to fund. Um, also, B, often people often wonder, well, when is it going to fulfill? Well, Victoria literally just talked about that. It's going to be in the next couple months, um, which is just awesome news. And, oh, making this so hard to <laughs> I have to back it later today. Um, but uh, I do kind of want to talk about something else with Victoria that I meant to ask earlier and somehow skipped. I skipped to the bottom of my notes. Let's talk about, I mean, I, I have mentioned how many different infantry regiments and bit options that you have made available for people to create their own armies, to customize existing armies, or to um, add on to or add variety to um, different armies that they've had already. One of the cool additional features that I think should be mentioned um, in um, the World War II miniature world, everyone loves to talk about um, there being, uh, you know, a couple companies that sell specifically women models to add okay. on to different units, to add to different armies. Um, because in wor- the World War II gaming world, that is relatively rare. Well, it's also rare in uh, futuristic science fiction gaming. And you have options for almost all of your regiments, um, or mm. at least for the big ones, for both male and female models. And it's not just the different torso and head. You actually have different arms. You have things that proportionally fit the models and the sculpts that you've done. Um, and they are realistic, not strange manga proportions. <laughs> they look <laughs> like actual soldiers. It's am- like they look really good. Thank you. Um, that has been a, a huge motivational thing for me, actually, in, in creating Victorian miniatures. Uh, you know, being a big fan of the guard going way, way back, you know, mm-hmm. the, the women were always, you know, they were in the, the, the fluff. I mean, they were yeah. they were written about, they were there. I mean, basically, if you can hold a las gun, you're in, you know. Mm-hmm. <laughs> we don't care. Um but there was, they were, there were no models. There wasn't one, not one female model uh, back in the day. And I was like, you know, I, I want to, 
I wanted to be able, I wanted to, I mean, it's still an ongoing goal because we're not quite there yet, but we, we are working on it, is to try to have everything uh, represented in, in both genders. And, you know, the women, and, and look, I'm going back a couple of decades now, but, you know, there was a lot of women, female models that are not really going to appeal to female modelers basically yeah. <laughs> I mean, I put it yeah. that way put it politely yeah uh, and i'm like well okay now i want these women to be wearing the same uniform with the same mm-hmm. equipment uh you know and you can mix them into your regiments and yeah uh, that's that's been really motivational for me i've really enjoyed doing that um i had some uh, it was probably going back 10 years now but i remember someone wrote to me and said Thank you for making these. I've finally got some female troops. I'm not embarrassed to give to my daughter. Right. <laughs> so, yes. That was, uh, you know, that was that was nice. Um, that kind of feedback, and you know, I get I get quite a lot of um, veterans and servicemen uh, who who buy my products and saying, oh, you know, these are great. You know, I've served alongside women, and your portrayal of them is so respectful, and I really appreciate it. So that's that's really nice uh, to yeah. hear. Yeah, it it mm. is very nice, as you say, to be able to feel toy soldiers on the tabletop that mm, you don't have to feel <laughs> awkward as a you know, as a primary school teacher and as a human being. I look at some miniatures and go, I mm, I can't no mm. Mm, no, yeah. and and look, it's a lot better now. Um, there's there's some really great True. female models out there these days, and and you know, Games Workshop are doing a lot of them now. Um, so it's, it has changed, but it's, yeah, it's, it's been a a really, it's been very challenging to do, but really worthwhile thing to do. It's also, I mean, they have, I I just want to go back to what you're saying. Um, women in, you know, 40 K slash science fiction universe have been there Mm. forever. And if you go back to even rogue trader days, um, I have the, the, the quote unquote, not Ripley Ripley model, which is sort of a Ripley from aliens crossed with Vasquez. That mm-hmm. was one of the oh, original yeah. Imperial guardsman models. And yes. I, I had that as an objective on one of my Tyranid armies and like a million years ago, but also mm-hmm. I was listening to, there's a podcast. God, now the name is escaping me, um, where a gentleman reads, classic uh gw short stories from those old 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 books um i think it's the warhammer old world sorry i'm i'm literally looking this up as we go friends and uh amazing show dude does like his production quality is outrageously good uh i absolutely love listening the old hammer fiction podcast and Mm -hmm. i don't have a lot of those books anymore but I was listening to a short story, Devil's Marauders from the Deathwing book. And All right. men and women, guardsmen, you know, fighting mm-hmm. in a jungle. And it, you know, it didn't even occur to me until you said that. And then I went, oh, yeah, I was just listening to that. And yeah, <laughs> cool. it was gender equality in the, you know, so it's, it's not new, ladies and gentlemen. It's been there all along. Yeah, so, yeah, it has yeah. been. It was always there in the in the background material, mm-hmm. uh, which was really cool. I mean, I really enjoyed that. But I, yeah, there just there just wasn't the miniatures, and look, I understand it to a certain degree because um, you kind of 
I mean, if you go as far as I'd gone with them, and that is, it's an entirely different figure. It's different arms. It's different. You know, everything is different. I mean, that's expensive to make. Um, you know, you're basically making everything twice. Um, yeah. So, yeah. And then, look, I see what GW uh, are doing now with the new plastic guard and um, trying to sort of do generic bodies with different heads. And I think that that's a reasonable solution to some extent. Um yeah. And it, yeah, and, and look, I've frankly done the same with the the, the Rough Riders. You know, they're sitting on a horse. Mm -hmm. They're wearing a lot of gear. You, the, I've I've put female heads in there, and and that works. I'm not quite going there yet with the infantry. You know, it's I'm thinking about it because it is it is very expensive and very time consuming to do everything twice. So yeah, I understand that that point of view, <laughs> but, but yeah, I think it's it's great. I mean, look, whatever works for particular modelers or gamers, and hey, if you want to have an all female army, go for it. If you want to have an all male army, go for it. You know, whatever. It's uh, yeah, it's it's just nice to have options. Exactly right. Exactly. Mm. Yeah. Well, Victoria, uh, folks, if you have not checked out Victoria Miniatures, as I said before, please do, uh, especially if you're looking to add to existing armies or you are looking to start a science fiction uh, project. Uh, I do know, having looked at picking up some science fiction grunts with flashlights uh, armies uh, recently, uh, having looked at official models from manufacturers, uh, I can say that being able to get your hands on them can be incredibly tricky and incredibly expensive. So uh, I highly recommend high quality, uh, you know, third party creationists. You know, yes. Victoria's making amazing stuff. So please don't stop, Victoria. Your stuff is gorgeous. And uh, I look forward to uh, seeing some of your work on the tabletop very soon with these Rough Riders. Thank you. Yeah, look, I'm, I'm excited about this project. Um, yeah, I, I just can't wait for people to get these in their hands and see what they do with them. That's always the fun bit is like, oh, I never thought of that. That's amazing. It's it's, it's great. So um, I just want to say big thank you to people who have already backed. Um, it's been amazing. Really appreciate it. Love the ideas. Keep them coming. Uh, yeah, it's going to be a great, you know, 23 days to the end of the campaign. Amazing. And if folks have ideas or they have questions for you, how can they reach out and contact you? Um, you can get me on Instagram. You can Victoria Miniatures on Instagram, Victoria Miniatures on Facebook. There's also a Victoria Miniatures fan group, which is independent of me. Um, and that's, that's really, it's got a great community on there. They share their modeling ideas. They show great pictures of what they're working on and they're really supportive. So they're, they're a lot of fun. So, yeah, you can ju jump on the socials. You can jump on victoriaminiatures.com. Uh, jump on the Kickstarter. Yeah. Yeah, get on it, folks. Well, ladies and gentlemen, uh, Victoria, again, thank you for joining us. And ladies and gentlemen, you at home, thank you for joining us tonight to, uh, to hear all about this Kickstarter. And uh, I do have to say I am a little sorry. The podcast has been slightly erratic of late only because of some pretty extensive home renovations uh, that will be fixed shortly. I will get them out as often as I can. I'm hoping to be fully regular now. Uh, but thank you again for tuning in as always. 
Any future feedback from me, please go to the Cast Dice Facebook page and message C-A-S-T-D-I-C-E. You are guaranteed a response by me. Hi, my name is Brad. And uh, I think that takes us to what our buddy Casey always says. When you are playing the games that we know and love, I hope that your dice roll hot. I hope your beverages are cold. But we at Cast Dice hope that you are having fun. Stay safe out there, guys. Good night. Gone and attract my home.